0: So, you know, it is cool to go out for a drink, right? With friends and family and occasions. But what is it when it becomes a problem? How do you know it's a problem? And how do you know that it's not having a negative effect on your prostate and your longevity? Alcohol, prostate, and longevity. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my full intention to help you with your urological function and to live better with age. Today's topic is one that I've been meaning to talk about for a while now. And I think today's the day, uh, which is on alcohol consumption and prostate health. Alcohol consumption and prostate health. You know, I come from a family history where I think, uh, not I think, I know, uh, you know, my dad had an alcohol problem. Right? He, he, he was definitely an alcoholic and at, at around the age of uh, uh, 60 or so, he, he stopped drinking and, and that was a good thing for him. And I have other family members that had alcohol problems. So I have a particular respect for uh, that chemical, right? Alcoholic beverages. I have respect for the bottle. So what I like to do is I always want to talk from a reference of science, but you know how we do it here at the Dr. Geo podcast. We we want to do it holistic, but we also want to do it realistic. So for me, a major part of my work, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast is how to look at the science in a way that we can implement in day-to-day life right? My intention is never to leave you high and dry. Oh, great information. And now you can sound smart at the next, I don't know, family event or something. But that's not what I care to do. I want you to take action. So today's conversation on alcohol consumption is with that in mind. Let's start with the big picture. How does alcohol work in the body? So when you have a drink of whatever, how does alcohol work? To put it in simple terms, alcohol, when you drink alcohol, two things happen. Number one, there, there are enzymes in your body that starts, and in the liver, that starts breaking down the alcohol, right? So it breaks it down so that your body can best metabolize it and actually use a little bit for energy. So much of the energy that you use that is from carbohydrates and proteins, you, you use a little bit of alcohol for energy. But your liver enzymes, there are liver enzymes that breaks alcohol down so that, you know, it's a protective mechanism. The other thing that happens when you drink alcohol is that it suppresses a hormone called uh, anti-diuretic hormone, ADH. So when you suppress ADH, which, you know, anti-diuretic hormone, what it does is it inhibits uh, you from urinating or urinating excessively. So it stops you. It holds water in. Then when you drink alcohol and you suppress ADH, then you have to pee more. Right? So to sort of keep it simple, those are the two main things that alcohol does. When you have a drink, you create more liver enzymes to break down the alcohol and you suppress ADH. So you have to pee more. All right then the way I want to take this conversation is the following. Big picture, right? The big picture is, all right, when I have a drink, it, should I be drinking? Um, does it help with my longevity? And of course, what are the effects of drinking alcohol as it relates to the prostate? And then the other one is, is there, is there one type of alcoholic beverage that's actually better than the other? Okay. Big picture. Alcohol and longevity, uh, and the reason why this is important of course, is because we you know about the French paradox, right the French paradox how can these uh, uh, French people <laughs> how can the French live so long and they don't really have uh, coronary or heart disease like we do in the US but they drink tons of wine and their diet is not great and and they smoke more than we do that doesn't make any sense right so when you look at the, at the research, and, and by the way, when you look at the research, it says, yes, it's good. No, it's not good. It's back and forth, back and forth. But it does seem to say that definitely those that drink too much, that's a problem. And that increases mortality overall across the board with everything. Higher uh, cardiovascular, uh, higher cancer, so forth. Right. So drinking too much is a problem. We'll get into what's too much and quantities and things like that in a second. But drinking with moderation, a term that I really hate to use because your moderation and my definition of moderation and your friends and my friends' definition of moderation is different, right? So uh, I like the term uh, moderation in moderation, right? With moderation. So... What is the data saying? Well, from a mortality perspective, it's saying that A, men can tolerate a little bit more alcohol than women. So it seems to be more damaging in women than it is in men. So I think the recommendation is somewhere about a half a drink a day for females and about a half to a roughly a full serving for men. And that's definitely uh, tolerable. You have to. However, when you look at this data and some data is recommending good versus bad, you have to have a serious and honest look at yourself and say, well, do I have an alcohol problem? Right. And this is what, what, what I mean by holistic, but realistic. Right. Or, you know, the science says this. Oh yeah, But in real life, sometimes we have, you know, other things that we're dealing with. Right. We'll come back to that. But keep that in mind as you listen to uh, the rest of this conversation as it relates to alcohol consumption. Keep that in mind. What is the possibility? What is the possibility of me having an alcohol problem? Now, how about alcohol and the prostate as it relates to the big three, right? Which are the big three? The big three are prostatitis, uh, BPH, and prostate cancer. Does it help? With any of these things, let's start with prostate cancer. If I drink more alcohol, does that increase the risk of prostate cancer? The data, for the most part, and, and it's the preponderance of information out there. So it's not just looking at that last uh, scientific paper, looking at the conclusion. No, we're looking at a variety of papers, and I think the conclusion is that there is no direct link with alcohol consumption and prostate cancer. There is more of a direct link with alcohol consumption and other types of cancers, like esophageal or throat cancer. So, yes, there is a a link between more alcohol consumption and throat cancer. And if you drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes, that increases the risk significantly for throat cancer. So, that combination seems to be worse than just alcohol, but just alcohol alone does increase the risk of throat cancer not associated with prostate cancer so then if i already have prostate cancer does it increase the risk of a recurrence of it coming back unlikely what type of alcohol alcoholic beverage is probably better for me to drink you know across the board but certainly with prostate cancer the data shows this very interestingly and, and, and most, m- most of you think this is true, and it's pro- it probably is. It seems to be that, yep, red wine, it's better. Now, when you look at these studies, right, what they're doing is sending out questionnaires. So it's very hard to determine outcomes or causation from questionnaires that people fill out and then send back in. Because A, you have to assume that they're being honest. So if they consume you know, five drinks a day, they may put two drinks a day. So you have to make the assumption that they're being honest. And two, it's not a controlled environment. So actually, typically in the scientific world, when we uh, cite data, they would say, well, you know, animal studies, you know, it doesn't matter what happens in human studies. Actually, as it relates to alcohol consumption, I actually like animal studies probably more than humans because it's a controlled scenario. Right is a controlled situation. You're feeding the 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 the, uh, the mouse uh you know alcohol and then another mouse no alcohol, and then you're monitoring that the health of that animal, uh of the of the mouse for X amount of time. So actually, I like animal studies as it relates to alcohol consumption. What uh, so what animal studies show as it relates to red wine is that it is more protective. Okay, it is more protective, and likely the reason for that is I still don't know that alcohol in it by itself has any benefits for our body. Now, it might, like I said, if if the only thing you have in your body to produce energy is alcohol, then it's going to use that for energy. Your body, your cells, will make energy from alcohol if that's the only thing you have. So there is some benefit, but red wine. Red wine has all sorts of chemicals that make the wine red, right? And much of that is resveratrol and other very important chemicals that we know are protective. So we, I think that red wine. If you have to now, if you're not, if you're a non-drinker, I wouldn't say, hey, you need to start drinking right now. I mean, if you really want to protect yourself against prostate cancer, you have to start drinking now. I wouldn't say that. There's other methods of doing that, of course, and we talk about it all the time. And, Dr. Geo podcast and drgeo.com, a lot of things written there, which I urge you, (laughs) I urge you to sign up because I send a lot of goods twice a week to that list. Drgeo.com, red wine, by observation. Okay, so I don't know that this has been studied, right? So this is realistic, real life, by observation. What happens when people drink red wine? Right. Well, I've never seen and look, I I know it happens, but I've never seen anybody, you know, have a really tough day at work and, you know, hate their home life and and say, oh, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to have some red wine. Hmm. I've never seen that. Have you? Typically, you know, in that scenario, you're going to have a couple of shots of whatever. Uh, let me get a Berman straight up. Let me get another one, right? Which that's not a good scenario, and that's very unhealthy. People typically who drink red wine is it a happy scenario? Celebration, you know, toast, you know, it's very it's a happy se- so. Typically, red wine drinkers are happier. So, I think it's a fine combination of the perhaps the the. the pigments in that red wine the resveratrol and other important chemicals that are protective for sure and i also think that typically when you drink red wine is in a happier environment right so red wine is the way to go let me say this because i know some of you in fact i, ha- I had a patient this past week right a uh, middle-aged man said to me you know I- i'm drinking and ever since the pandemic I'm drinking about a bottle a day and I don't know that that's good. The poison is in the dose, right? So, another area that shows very clearly is yeah, yeah, maybe some red wine, even daily, is fine. But when it's too much, then it's a problem and it can induce problems and premature mortality. A bottle a day, you have to be, in that scenario, you have an alcohol problem. Or you might have. I don't know you. I don't know some of you. I know. I know some of you, but I don't know all of you. You have an alcohol problem and you need to address that. Okay. so how much? About a glass a day is fine. Well, Dr. Gio, don't make up. (laughs) Don't make up stories with what I say. Well, Dr. Gio said, you know, I heard the podcast. He said, hold on. He said I should have a glass of red wine a day. So since I'm not drinking from Monday to Friday, I have seven glasses (laughs) on Saturday. Uh, uh, That's not what I'm saying. All right. So be careful with how you interpret what I'm saying, particularly, again, if there's an alcohol problem. What I am saying, however, is that if you're going to have a glass of red wine a night, that's fine. Have it with dinner. That's fine. There may be some protection there. If you're a non-drinker, you don't care to do so. You don't have to. There's many other ways of getting resveratrol and all these other benefits, including from actual grapes and berries and, you know, all berries have a significant amount of the same type of chemicals that Ren wine has. So uh, not not to worry. But this is just so that you can actually have a glass of wine guilt-free, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, guilt is way more indigestible than any food. So we don't want to live with guilt. We don't want to eat with guilt. And we don't want to drink anything with guilt. That's red wine. So how about red wine as or alcohol as it relates to BPH? There again, actually, so here's the deal with BPH. And I think that you guys really need to listen up because, um, again, I don't want you to create your own stories. BPH is by definition, an enlarged prostate, a prostate that's too big. So when you look at some data, and actually written on this in some scientific journals and books, if you look at the data, actually the data will indicate or suggest that, and you know what? You can have any alcohol. You can have about one serving of any alcoholic beverage a day, whether it's a beer, a a drink of whatever, whiskey, tequila, or red wine, no, no problems, a day. And that, might help with BPH, an enlarged prostate. That information is not good enough for me. Why? Because what you care about is not whether or not your prostate is enlarged. What you care about is, is my enlarged prostate causing me to have urinary problems? So you only care to the extent that you're getting or you're experiencing urinary problems. You know how many prostates I've seen that are uh, pretty big and the patient has no urinary problems? Quite a few. I've seen many prostates that are small and there's plenty of urinary problems. Okay? So remember, as it relates to BPH in a large prostate, it doesn't matter how big your prostate is, with some exceptions to that rule, because if your prostate is too big, then it starts pushing up against other nerves and tissue and causes, you know, even, it could even cause some erectile dysfunction because um, the nerves that push up, there's a few nerves coming from both sides of the prostate where that innervates the penis and it serves uh, for erections. If the prostate gets too big, then it could push up on those nerves and stop the nerve function that goes to the penis and then some erectile dysfunction may occur. But that's in extreme cases. That's probably unlikely to be most of you. Okay? So if the problem is I'm urinating a lot, then what's one of the functions of alcohol in the body? It stops... The production of this hormone that stops you from urinating. If you suppress that hormone, ADH, then you're going to urinate more. That's why when you have a drink, (laughs) you're running to the bathroom. So I would say that alcohol consumption for BPH, for an enlarged prostate, it's only a problem if there's urinary problems involved. Okay? All right. How about prostatitis? You know, I read somewhere that alcohol can be irritating to the prostate and induce prostatitis. Not the case. Not the case. Unless, of course, because with prostatitis, what's the experience? The experience is of the patient, of course, the experience is, you know, local pelvic pain, discomfort, and combined with urinary problems that's sort of the definition of prostatitis right so prostatitis is an inflammation of the prostate that causes pain discomfort around the what's called the perineal area that's the area between the scrotum and the anus around the testicles around the whole pelvic area and in conjunction with urinary problems if there's urinary problems there again alcohol will have you go urinate more Can alcohol induce more inflammation to the prostate? I don't know that to be true, but it's possible, right? It could be pro inflammatory in excess. Okay. So, all in all, alcohol consumption may not be uh, bad for the prostate, but red wine is better. I always tell my patients look, if you have to choose one, that'd be red wine. And I know, of course, hot summer day, barbecue, you know. Who, who wants to drink red wine in that scenario? You want a glass of either cold white wine or a beer. No problem. The poison is in the dose, right? So ultimately, if you have one or even two, you're fine. You go beyond two, then it, there might be problems. So now, holistic but realistic, right? What I've seen in my practice, and after really uh, seeing thousands of uh, really amazing, amazing men, I'm really fortunate to do the work I do. I, I, I can't believe that I make a living from, from what I do sometimes. What I've seen is that alcohol is causing hidden problems in people because a lot of people, particularly post-pandemic, are drinking way too much, right? We won't talk about uh, COVID or anything like that. Certainly, we won't talk about politics, but the only thing that was open... <laughs> It's really hilarious. The only thing that was hoping during the pandemic, shutdown, right? Complete shutdown. Well, liquor stores. (laughs) Liquor stores. And they delivered to your house. You didn't even have to leave your house. And by the way, the AA, the the AA groups were closed. (laughs) And they didn't even have Zoom. Uh, meetings until later on. So uh, the the, <laughs> uh, the organizations actually helped with alcoholics. What they were they were closed, but the liquor store they, they were open. Weird. In any event, I think that the pandemic perpetuated the problem. Of course, but I think like most things from the pandemic, if there's already a problem prior to the pandemic. It just put it in the forefront. I don't think that people who were either non-alcoholics or non-drinkers had all of a sudden became alcoholics or had a drinking problem. You know, so uh, if you had a already a not so great relationship with your family, then when you're stuck with them for months at a time, that that was more of a problem. If your business was not too good right from the beginning, then your business suffered. If you if you had a decent business, then your business probably survive and even thrive uh, with PPE and all these things. Same thing with alcohol consumption. Okay, so what the pandemic I think did for a lot of us is figure out, all right, where are there are problems and let's fix it. Alcohol overconsumption is a problem and people think, well, oh no, not you know, I'm not Larry. I, I know my friend Larry, he wakes up, he has it, he needs a drink to function. That's not me. That's not me. There's a full spectrum of alcoholism. There's a full spectrum. One is those people that actually cannot function and they sort of get the jitters and they don't do well from eliminating alcohol. And the other, there's another group of that, you know, they needed to cope with day-to-day problems. And, and you can see, so how would you know? Uh, Dr. Gio, how would I know if I have a problem? All right. That's a fair question. Because, you know, I'm a functional, you know, alcoholic and things like that. Okay, you have a problem this numerous ways and I wouldn't consider myself the expert in the area. There are many great books out there and um, uh, Alcoholic Anonymous is a fabulous organization. Um, So I think that if you have any inhibitions of and you think you should go to somewhere, I I think you should try AA because it's it's one of the most fascinating organizations that I know. And they truly help people, and you should not be uh, feeling vulnerable of going and, and dealing with that. Just, you know, you know, face your fears and, 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 and make it happen if you think you have an alcohol problem. How would you know? And this is also part of what I observed with friends and family, by the way. Part of it is the way you drink. You shouldn't need a drink. You should want a drink. If you think you need a drink, that's a problem. If you think you need a drink often, that's a problem. Now, I know that it's not always, you know, so you want to take the edge off a little bit and you have a glass of wine. That's not a problem. But I need a drink so that I can feel better. I can calm my nerves every time. That's a problem. I need a drink to be more social. That may be a problem. Now, One drink in a social environment, if you think you suffer from social anxiety and maybe, you know, you're trying to hook up with, you know, uh, a gal or another partner, whatever. Yeah, it works. Right. Because it takes you kind of loosen up a little bit. Right. It works. But to have to need one after another after another or just shots after shot, that's a problem. Here's another thing you need to know. If the party is over. And most people, you know, stop drinking and you keep going. That's a problem. If you need to see the bottle empty. Right. If you don't stop until that bottle is empty, that's a problem. If your wife thinks you have a problem, you have a problem. If you have said, you know, I may have a I may have an alcohol problem. That likely means that you do. No one that doesn't have an alcohol problem would ever say, you know, I may have an alcohol problem. Okay? And just switching from hard liquor and spirits to red wine after I just said, well, Dr. Sears said red wine is good. No, it's the alcohol. The other thing with alcohol, so that's how you determine if you have a problem. Again, there's good resources out there. The other thing with alcohol is that it, it interferes with good sleep. You get up to urinate more. And even if you don't get up to urinate more, you never have good sleep. Yes, it helps you go to sleep. It helps you get to sleep, but the quality of your sleep is not good. And so, you even if you sleep eight hours, the quality is not good and you kind of still wake up groggy. I don't know about you. I want to be optimal. I want to be in my optimal health as often as possible. Um, and I've noticed in my own, and by the way, I do have a drink every now and then, I, of course, but I noticed that, you know, I, I tolerate it a little bit less as I get older. So even if I have one drink, sometimes I wake up with this little mild headache and I hate that. So I'm I'd rather not drink most of the times. Okay. That's being holistic but realistic as a release of alcohol. Okay. A little bit might be good if you don't really have a problem. If you have a problem, that needs to be dealt with. And then you need to stop drinking at least for 90 days, if not more. AA is a great organization that you should consider. If you already have urinary problems, it's going to get worse. I know people that are drinking and they're on diuretics, right, for blood pressure. So these these are uh, pills that help you pee more so that you lower your blood. So they're drinking and on diuretic and they're wondering why they're peeing all the time. And they're also older with probably enlarged prostate. Right. So be careful when you combine uh, alcohol with other meds and um, all things being equal, moderation in moderation, which means, by the way, one last moderation. Moderation is different for everyone. If you're a heavy drinker, then you don't start feeling good until your third or fourth or fifth or sixth drink. If you're not a drinker, so if you're a 95 year old, 80 year old, uh, 90, uh, 90 pound, 80 year old woman then you can have a half a drink and that might be a lot. That might be moderation. All right. And this is why, <laughs> by the way, back in college, right? We, we used, not me, because I was really never, a, I just didn't care for it. But people used to boast, I'll, I'll, I'll drink you. I'll drink you under the table. Right. I will drink you. under. Right. No problem. You're a college kid. You, you, your frontal lobe of your brain is not fully developed. Okay. When I hear these things with older adults, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right? If you can outdrink anybody, that's a problem. That means that your body is naturally making more enzymes to break down alcohol. And now, in order to, for you to feel cool and relaxed, you need more drinks. That's a problem. So moderation really depends on how often you drink. If if moderation for you could be a six pack a day, I had a patient actually that <laughs> this is the true story. The patient, right? He's like, Dr. Gio, you know, this is their follow-up visit. You know, I heard what you said last time and I'm drinking in moderation. Oh, that's great. So, you know, how often are you drinking? He's like, I drink every day, but now I only drink a six pack, not two. So he he was serious. He's like, no, I only drink six beers a day, six cans of beers a day. So that's moderation for him. So moderation depends on how much alcohol you consume and really, it's not more than one serving of any drink a day. Red wine is likely best if you must. If you must. This is Dr. Geo signing off. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash geoespinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health, and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.